Today's class. Hope you had a nice break last week. So today's class 34, uh, chapter 3, we're doing the yoga of action. And we'll be starting verse 10, no, sorry, verse 9 today. So this topic 2 is an intellectual appeal for action. Krishna's telling Arjuna, you got to act. you got to fight this war. Your vasanas are to be a warrior. You're a human being. Your vasanas are to be a warrior. So you have to exhaust your vasanas by fighting. You have no choice. You have to do it. Otherwise, it'll frustrate you. Chronology of action is vasanas. Thoughts, desires, action. You're born with these vasanas from your previous lives. And throughout our life, we're adding to more to these vasanas or we're taking away vasanas. We're taking some away and we're adding more. Vasanas turns into a thought, which then turns into a desire and then to action. And we don't know what vasanas we have. We don't know what vasanas we have. Your vasanas now are different from when you were a child. The state of self-realization is no vasanas, no desires. That's our goal as a human being. All spiritual exercise, spiritual development is to reduce our desires and get out of this reincarnation, birth, rebirth, birth, rebirth. And there'll come a time in your life while you study this subject, when you realize that actually, you know, I don't want to come back. It may not be right now, but as you develop spiritually, you'll come to a conclusion. What is this life? It's just anxiety and pain and suffering. Doesn't matter who you are or what you have. It's just pain and suffering, nothing else. Agitations. What's the point? Why do I want to come back again? So you'll come to that thought while you when you develop spiritually. And one of the reasons you come to that thought is because as you develop spiritually, you become more happy, content, and you don't have much. You're happy with little things and you think, well, what's the point? If your mind is set on the desires, the thought is in the action, that thought flow will create further desires. This is what I'm just recapping. If you don't act but have a desire, you're a hypocrite. You will still develop desires just because you don't act on it. In your mind, you're mentally thinking about it. Can't get away from that thought, and that will create more desires. So, verse 7 said, To deal with this, shift your thoughts on something higher. Example becoming a better human being, more unselfish, more sattvic. spiritual development, self-realization. These can be your higher ideals in life, self-realization being the highest. So while you're working towards these higher desires, other desires will pop up. If you can eliminate them through knowledge, then you continue on that path. But if you don't have enough knowledge, you're stuck on that desire, it's agitating you, you have no choice but to act upon that. 
This is how it functions. You know, next time you have a thought in your mind, oh, why have I got this thought? What can I do about it? If it's a strong, niggly thought, you can't get it out of your head, you have to act on it. If through the, these classes, studying the Gita, you can eliminate it, then do so. And understand, this is who I am. This is my vastness. So, you go through the action, you enjoy that action, but your thoughts are on the higher. And if you practice that, you will not increase the desires. Instead, it will reduce. This is karma yoga. So in a nutshell, karma yoga is while acting on a desire, your thoughts are on the higher ideal. That's it. Whatever that ideal is. The analogy we gave in the last class, you're on the motorway. You focus on the motorway, going up the M1. Diversion. Next junction, it's blocked. So you go for a diversion. You have no desire, interest in going that way. All the time you're on the other road, your mind is on the motorway. Your thought is still on the motorway until you get back on the motorway. This is how it, you function. Any questions? Yeah. So, you know, earlier you said about um, the vastness thoughts, desires. Um, so if we're thinking about the vastness that are within us and we don't know about, um, vastness have been categorized as like almost your DNA and not being able to, or, you know, uh, it being almost impossible to change your vastness as such. So although you might be at a level of a thought and think that I don't want to think about that desire, I mean, it's almost like you have no choice but because your vasana is so strong. And it's almost, so, so the question I suppose is, is that are you really able to control your mind to not fulfill that desire if the vasana for something is so strong? Is the question because it's almost like impossible like for example Arjuna's Vasna was to fight he couldn't fight only because he saw his relatives right otherwise he still had the Vasna and you know at, later on in time he was going to fulfill it somewhere whether it was for this war or something he couldn't have eliminated that Vasna it was impossible for him to eliminate it because he was born as a Kshatriya anybody uh, want to Give some thought on that. Yeah, uh, Vanita. So the strongest vasanas we have that we're born with, we have them because we're born to fulfill them, right? Mm -hmm. the ones that, so if they are, like you're saying, in your DNA, so if you're a mother, you're here to fulfill your duty as a mother, uh, a wife or that role, you can't sway from those vasanas because that's the reason why you're here. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the ones that are the niggly ones, I suppose, would you say some where, you know, do I want to eat that? Do I not want to eat that? Do I want to go there? Do I not want to go there? Those are the ones you can control. Then you've got the aspect of, okay, I don't, you've decided I don't want to fulfill the vasanas I can control. Mm -hmm. Then you have to think of the higher. So yeah. even while you're doing that, that, Vasana, you're fulfilling it, you're thinking of the highest, so you're not looking at the end result of that Vasana, you're looking at like, I'm thinking of the higher, I'm doing it as a duty to whatever I'm doing it for, and you carry on, because you haven't got that control, yeah. but you have got the control of where you put your thought at the time. Absolutely, very good. So, the, the Vasana, is, as we said, um, you, this is your DNA, your inherent nature, you're born with that. And we don't know what Vasana is going to pop up when, first of all. Correct? We all agree on that? Kevil? Yeah, we don't know what Vasana is going to pop up. After this class, you don't know you have a Vasana, you want to eat, eat Darbat Shak. Right now, you don't have that Vasana. Your wife asks you, what do you want to eat? 
that vasana pops up. Yeah, you don't know what vasanas you have. So, but when and any vas you can and anything can pop up at any time. You have a thought. Now, if the more more you give that thought fuel, the more you think about it, the more you think about it, it will eventually pop up as a desire. And if it pops up as a desire, then it has a much stronger force, more difficult to control, and then you have no choice but to act. So what we try to do is when it becomes a thought, when it becomes a thought, you try to eliminate it if you can. You know, you're surfing the internet and these ads pop up. Instantly you think, do I need that? The thought pops up. Yeah. And if it's not a strong vasana, if it's not something strong, then you can get rid of it. You immediately just click on the X, it's gone. But then you start reading reviews on it. You start finding out more about it. It becomes stronger and stronger. And then eventually it becomes a desire and you go on Amazon and start buying it. So if you can get rid of it at that time when it pops up in your head, your mind, yeah, your thought, then that's the ideal way of doing it. And to be able to do that, you need a developed intellect. Yeah. You need that capacity to think and say, no, I don't need that. Or yes, I do need this. Now, the other part you said about Arjuna, he is a Kshatriya, a warrior. So his DNA is to fight. His Vasanas are to fight. And that's why he is a fighter. He's a very good fighter. And the reason he's a good fighter because he's got strong Vasanas for fighting. Yeah, that's his nature. And he was a warrior and he fought. That's all you need to know. Now, why he didn't fight his, uh, this battle is because of his attachment to his, to his um, family, yeah, his I friend. It's, 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 not, it's not that... So, you know, we say that the Vasana if you have something embedded in you, right? It's almost like, for example, coal, the heat is within coal. You cannot get rid of that heat, yeah? Um, it's smoldering somewhere. You might not be able to see it, but that smolder is still there, right? Mm -hmm. So I suppose my question is, is that can you really control that thought flow to not flow into fulfilling that vasana? You know, because the vasanas are there. You, you can't control them because they're there. It's smoldering. Yes. How can you get rid of something that is fire within, is within coal? You can't get rid of that. So the idea is that when the vasanas manifest as a thought, there's different strengths of those vasanas, mm. different levels of thoughts, different strengths. Some you can, you can and some you can't. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You go to a shop, you see something. If it's a really strong vasana, you have for that a passion for that you can't control it you'll go in and buy it i've not had i've not had that one i collect let's say collects um, i don't know whatever you collect yeah we all have a passion you know uh some people collect uh, okay you into gardening flowers you go to you go past a, a flower shop or uh, um what do you call it these nurseries you if i if you go in there you're gonna buy something strong vasana for me, oh no, here she goes again. I just keep driving past. Hopefully you didn't notice that we passed one. I don't have a strong desire for it. <laughs> you know, so different strengths. Everyone has different strengths of vasanas in different fields. Now, as far as Arjuna is concerned, doesn't mean he, the fact that he doesn't want to fight this battle because of his attachment to his cousin, doesn't mean he doesn't want to fight. Tomorrow you say to him, by the way, Arjuna, there's a battle happening somewhere else. Yeah, and he's got no family there. He's going to go and fight, isn't he? This is attachment that's created the problem. Kevin. Yeah, I was just going to say, does it not depend on how strong your intellect is? So if you have a strong intellect, no matter how strong the vasana is, if your intellect is stronger, you will overcome that vasana. If your intellect is weaker, then... Well, too bad, like you're gonna you're gonna give in to that vasana. Exactly. So it depends on the level of first of all, the vasanas manifest into thoughts, then depending on the strength of your intellect, you can either um, eliminate it, or if the intellect's not strong enough, then it'll become a desire. Now, 
the here, karma yoga, what Krishna is saying is, but if your thought is on a higher spiritual development, self-realization, being unselfish, whatever your higher ideal is, then that is your goal in life. Your intellect will say, fulfilling this desire, will it take me there? No, leave it. Fulfilling this desire, will it take me to my goal? Yes, act on it. Yeah. Tomorrow morning you wake up, six o'clock. Okay, I need to study one hour, 30 minutes, whatever. Will it take me to my goal of spiritual development? Yes. Intellect strong enough? You'll get up and start studying. Intellect weak? But you know what? I'll lie in for an hour. I'll study tomorrow. That's the difference. Intellect strong, intellect weak. And how strong is that desire to get to that higher goal? That's what it boils down to at the end of the day. Yeah? Does that make sense, everyone? You observe yourself when a thought comes up, when a vasana manifests into a thought, be objective, think about it. Oh, this thought's come up. Try to be the third person. Look at it from a third, perspective, third person perspective. This thought's come up in my head. I learned in class today that the more fuel I give it, it'll become a desire. Let me see if I can eliminate it. Try it as an exercise. When is that? Yeah, the question. Just more of a... Uh comment so it's like thinking if you're angry you have control of how angry you will get with somebody right you have an argument now you'll get angry with that person you could lose your totally lose your plot right you could totally blast out if you know you've got self-control you'd be like is this anger worth it or how am i just going to make my point and then rest or am i going to carry on or am i going to walk away thinking you know what you can carry on with whatever you're saying it doesn't affect me it's the same thing. If you can sort of control that, you can control a lot of things, isn't it? It's, it depends all on you, what, what you think, isn't it? In that, I don't know if that helps as an example. Yeah. At the but at the end of the day, whatever thought manifests, whatever desire manifests, if you've got a higher ideal and you're mentally strong on reaching that goal, then any desire that comes up that doesn't take you there, you'll be able to eliminate. You can get to, you'll get to that stage. And that's the goal. Is that okay, Shashi? Very important that you understand this. Because in life, we have to act, perform action. We've got no choice. Verse 8 says you have to act. If we don't act, we will physically decay. Action is far superior to non-action. We have to even maintain our body. We have to do exercise. If your body's not fit, how can you do? How can you reach any spiritual goal? And then we said we have two types of duties: obligatory duty and special duty. Our obligatory, normal, routine duties like working, looking after family, helping our community, neighborhood. These are our routine duties. These duties are based on our service to our family and society. From the time we wake up, this is what we're doing, obligatory duties. Opposite of this is acting on our likes and dislikes. I need to go to work. You know what? I don't fancy going to work. I'm gonna stay home today. I'm gonna to ring in sick. Likes and dislikes, you're not sick. You're not doing your obligatory duty instead, you're going by the mind. I think I'll just sit at home and veg. No one will know. Then there is our special duty, which comes once in a while. Birthday party, marriage, something that is not part of your regular routine. So how can you tell the difference? If you're not sure, what do you do? If it's an obligatory duty or a special duty, what would you do? You can't work it out. 
Any ideas? Anybody? Listen to your conscience. You all have one. The best friend's father passed away. The funeral is in India. Should I go to the funeral? Do I need to perform this duty? If you're not sure or is unclear, listen to your inner conscience. The voice inside. It may be right or wrong. It doesn't matter. So Krishna advises Arjuna, do your duty and fight. He's a warrior, but this is a special duty because of his family. You are. Family on the other side. So, to fulfill our goal in life, we need to keep acting. We must convert these actions dedicated to something higher. Right now, all actions are dedicated to some personal gain. What can I get out of this action? This way of acting increases our vastness, increases our desires. When you dedicate your actions to something higher, we reduce our vastness. The action may be the same, but your thoughts are on something else. Yeah. Those were verses seven and eight we covered last time. Is that okay? Any any questions on that before we begin nine? So, verse nine. Now, before we start today's class, um, nine explains karma yoga. Okay, nine explains karma yoga. Yagnya sacrifice. Yagnya sacrifice explains yagnya sacrifice. We're going to find out what that is. 10, 11, 12 explains the same thing as in what, what 9 does, but from a different perspective. Yeah, so don't worry too much about 10, 11, 12, how much you get of it, how much you don't. It's the same thing. Just if you understand number 9, that's all that matters. Is that clear? Good. So, verse 9. Yajna Lokoyam karma bandanaha tadartam karma kondeya mukta sangha samachara yajnathat karma no nyatra lokoyam karma bandanaha tadartam karma kondeya mukta this world is bound by action other than those performed for the sake of yajna, sacrifice. O Konteya, perform action for that sake, free from attachment. What does that mean? Any idea? We sort of covered it in the introduction today. This world is bound by action. We all have to act, as we said. You can't get away from acting. You have to act. But those perform for the sake of yajna, sacrifice. You're not bound by those. So therefore, Arjuna, perform action for the sake, free from attachment. His attachment is to his family. So act free from attachment. Just do your duty. So, what this let's we'll explain this now. We all have to act in life. We just said we're all bound by action. We have no choice because of our vasanas. We have no choice. We have to act. But we have a choice. We can either act with self-centered, selfish desires, which will increase our vasanas, our desires. Or we can perform actions in the spirit of yagnya sacrifice. Yagnya means sacrifice. Yagnya means sacrificial activity dedicated to a higher cause. We're going to explain what this means. Two types of action selfish action, what can I get? Or action towards 
action diverted to sacrifice, yagnia, sacrificial activity. So what is this yagnia mentioned in this verse? Anyone? What is this yagnia? Okay, forget about what it means in this verse. What is yagnia um, as a word? You all know it, by the way. What is yagnia? You've all done yagnia. Venika? It's like a ritual that you do to sacrifice, I don't know, or maybe burn something like your karma, your negative things, I don't know. Like a hovan, isn't it? You put things in, I presume it, it takes away the bad stuff that you've done or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. You've all performed Yagnia. I'll tell you now, you have all performed Yagnia, but you don't know that you're performing Yagnia. Arunabhan? I was going to say something similar to Vanita. Okay. Kevil? This is when you sacrifice something in order to gain something else. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I'm looking for a basic version. When you do fire worship, this is called a Yagnia. You've all done it. I know you have. All of you are married. You've done yagnia sacrifice. You've done yagnia. So when you do fire worship, this is called a yagnia. We're going to hear this word a lot in the next few chapters. So it's important that you understand it. Couple gets married. You do a yagnia fire worship. You go around seven times. The fire worship is a yagnia. You buy a new home. Some people do a yagnia, fire worship at home, in the new house. Also many other various rituals, pujas, that are done, involves a fire worship, yagnia. This is yagnia, basically. Yeah, the basic understanding you have now, yes? Everyone? Yagnia means fire worship. So people perform these Yagnia fire worship without understanding the purpose or the reason behind it. You've all done it, but nobody knows why you're doing it. Anyone know why you're doing it? Why fire worship? You do Havan. Why you do it? What's the purpose of it? Do you know? Anyone knows? See, we all do it. Even me. Did it in the past without knowing what I'm, what I'm doing, why I'm doing Why I'm being suffocated by this fire, this smoke. It's not like a purification ceremony of good vibes. What does that mean? Purification of what? Energy, what? positive energy, clearing negative energy. Yeah. See, this hocus pocus, that is. <laughs> How can one convert, how can that fire convert to that uh, negative energy? I think it's mental state, isn't it? When you're in, when you're performing that, it's a lot to do with the mental state and the understanding. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Ravi, you've, you've um, confirmed the negative aspect of yagnya that we don't know why we're doing it, which is good, which is positive, because then I can carry on and explain. Nilam. I was just going to say. Um... Is it like we're surrendering our desires to the higher and that's where the purification comes in? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's part of it. Anybody else? Yagnia sacrifice. Why do you do a yagnia or fire in your house when you buy a new house? Why do you do that when you do a puja? Why? So you can fumigate everyone. Unless you know what you're doing it for, that's the result of it. Emma, could you read uh, the first two paragraphs, please? People the world over are bound and fettered by selfish and self-centered activities. Such activities are said to be opposed to yodna. Yajna in this context means sacrificial activities dedicated to a higher cause. Yajna refers to the fire worship ritual of the Vedic period. 
People, particularly Orthodox Hindus, still perform yagnas in different parts of India. It has a deep philosophical significance, rarely known to its practitioners. Hindus perform this religious ritual more out of blind faith than understanding. Thank you. So how do we perform yagna? We're going to explain today what the, what the significance of fire worship is. Verse 9, that explains it. How do you perform a yagna? What happens? What do you do? I know you just call a priest and he does it all for you. But what does he do? Any idea? What does he do? What is the process? Shlabin, I'm sure you know. What is the process? Uh, you get your haven cones and uh, your samagri and everything. He yeah. lights the fire uh, with uh, ghee and uh, kapoor and everything. Yeah. And then he'll chant uh, the verses that's required for that particular haven. And you put in all the, the samagri that uh, comes in a box, basically. Okay, thank you. That's the process. Absolutely right, Shlavan. Thank you. How do you perform yagnia? In the olden days, they would get some bricks, build a little square trout. This is called a kunda. I'm just explaining. These days, the priest brings a little metal square, whatever it is, trout, instead of making a bricks. You can't do that in a school hall in a, on, a, on a stage now, can you? You can't get a bricks and start making it. So he just brings a metal square trout, which he puts in the middle of the stage or in your house where you're going to perform this. And inside this metal trout, the priest places some pieces of firewood. Then he puts some ghee on top and he lights it. Yeah, simple. The ghee activates and lights the wood. And for this yagnia, depending on what it's for, you call your close relatives, your friends, depending on the occasion. A small gathering at home, you just call your immediate family. A wedding, you call a wider group of people. Then the family or the main people, they gather around this kunda, this fire. Some of your relatives will bring ghee, rice, other grains to put in the kunda, and you put all of it together. Correct? Yeah. Everyone brings whatever they want to bring. And then you, you add it and put it all in one corner. Then the priest chants some prayers in Sanskrit, depending on, as Shilabin said, the occasion, why you're doing it. And while he's chanting the verses, he stops and the people put some grains and ghee in the fire. Yeah, I'm just explaining the obvious. So what happens when you put the grains and ghee in the fire? What happens? Smokes. Smoke and- what Encourages the fire to burn more. There's no smoke without fire, they say. So there's a flame. Yeah. The flames shoot up when you put the grains and the ghee in there, correct? Then after the flame shoots up, then there's smoke. So the flames shoot up. So this, what's the significance of that flame? When this happens, you invoke the fire god, Lord Agni. That's the significance of it, to invoke the fire god, Lord Agni. And that's the whole significance of doing the yajna. And when the flame shoots up, it's a blessing from the fire god, fire Lord Agni, to those people performing it. So every time you put, he says, what does it say? Vaha, saha, swaha. You put the grain again, the flame shoots up. You're all blessed. You all do this. Lord Agni, the fire god, has blessed me. And everyone participating are blessed by the god, Lord Agni. That is it. This is what we do, isn't it? So what happens? We carry on doing this until all the grains are finished and the flame goes out. 
Have I got it right? Anyone? Yeah. So that's the basic instructions of what we do. Then what is left after the flames are gone is the ashes. Now, I don't know about here, but in the Vedic times, the priest gives everyone who is there some ashes as prasad. Some for you, some for you, some for you. They smear it in the forehead in three lines. We don't do this here, but this is what happens. The ash, you spray it on your forehead, it's three lines. And then to finish off, go to the local temple or your temple in your home, and you do a prayer. So this is what is done when you have a yajna, a puja. Any questions? Does everyone agree with that analogy? Okay. So people do this for material gain, worldly benefit. Bless my house so I don't have any problems. I don't get burgled. I have good family. Everyone is happy, comfortable. Bless my house. Bless me with a child. Bless my business. Bless this marriage. This is why we do it. You know, we say action for selfish gain. This is action for selfish gain. Bless me. So, what does this actually signify? Any ideas? Nilam, you sort of, um, you were halfway there, Nilam. What is the whole purpose of this? Doesn't matter if we spend the whole class on this verse today because it's important that you understand this. The significance of it. We don't understand why we do it. Whenever. To do with like something with your in, like your your atma, your brahma, like something that I presume if you're igniting the agni god, then it must connect to the inner self in some way. Okay. Maybe. See, we all, like you said in the beginning, we do this sacrifice for selfish reasons without understanding the true meaning of this ritual. There's a, such a significant meaning, this ritual. We're going to explain that. Hema, verse 3 and 4, please. The Yagna ritual is a worship of the fire god. A mud of brick, walled trough called Agunda is first built. Priests place firewood in the kunda and light it. They sit around the fire and chant prayers. A large congregation assembles for the ritual. Each participant brings some grain from his home and deposits it in a common pile in one corner. While the priests chant, the participants one by one take a handful of grain from the pile and offer it to the fire with a prayer. Ghee, clarified butter, can also be used in an offering. Thus, the ritual continues until the entire stock of grain is exhausted. When grain is offered to the fire, the flames shoot up. This symbolizes a blessing bestowed upon the participant by the fire god. When all the grain together with the fuel is completely burnt and reduced to ashes, the priests distribute the ashes to the participants as prasada, gift. They in turn smear the ash on the forehead in three stripes. The yagna is concluded with a visit to the nearby temple. In Hinduism, worship of the god of fire, Agni, holds great significance. Five ele elements constitute the world, space, air, fire, water, and earth. In order of grossness, fire is the first of these which can be seen. It is therefore chosen as a symbol from the world to represent the unseen reality, which transcends the world. So, First, we, first off, we say this world is Brahman. Yeah, we say this world and everything in it is Brahman, correct? We are Brahman, this world is Brahman. What is this world made up of? Five elements. What is this world made up of? The five elements. Space. Air. Fire. Water, earth. These five elements make up the world. 
anything and everything in this world is made up of these five elements, including us. Therefore, these five elements represents Brahman. Brahman is this world. World is made up of these five elements. So therefore, that is also Brahman. Everything is made of these five elements, including us. We are made of 90% water, 10% skin, flesh, etc. When we die, it becomes either ash or disintegrates in the earth. Five elements. So why fire? Any idea why fire? Emma did say, why fire? It's the first element that we can see. First element that our senses can contact. We have five senses. Space, your five senses cannot contact. Air, your five senses cannot contact. Space is the most subtle. Air, you breathe it. You have a sense of it, but it's very subtle. Next is fire, then water, then earth being the grosses. So the worship of fire is due to it being the first element that can be seen out of the five elements that make up this world. So therefore, fire is chosen to represent the unseen reality, Brahman, which is beyond the world. So fire represents Brahman. Is that, is that okay? Is that clear to everyone? Why fire? She said, repeat the last sentence. Worship of fire is because it's the first element that can be seen of the five elements that make up this world. And therefore, it is chosen to represent the reality, Brahman. Brahman, which is beyond the world. The fire represents Brahman. See, if we say space is Brahman, which it is, we can't understand what space is. How can we worship space? Oh, but air, what about air? How can we worship air? We don't have, this, we don't have that subtlety to do that. But fire, you can feel it. You can feel it on your skin, the heat. You can see it. Yeah. And Shilabhan said this smoke, the nose can smell it. So your, your senses can contact fire. So therefore, fire is chosen to represent Brahman. Any questions? We all, you all there? Okay. Sorry. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Who's that? Joshna. Joshna, then go. What about water? water? What about water? Grosser than fire. Fire in the, in the, the five elements, the subtlety, Space, air, fire, water, earth. So fire is the first element, which out of the five elements, which are subtle. Before it becomes gross. Earth and water are more grosser than fire. It's the first element that we can contact. So it's in the order of subtlety, basically. Is that is that right, Joshua? I mean. Yeah, so it's that, that's the subtlety of it. That's why it's, it's the level of subtlety. So we just first to... element in the order of subtlety. Is that okay? This is what the scriptures have chosen for that reason. At the end of the day, anything that reminds you of Brahman is fine. So this yajna sacrifice is a way of converting our actions in whatever field we are working into worship. That's what it represents. When you put the grains into the fire, the flames shoot up. Blessing from Lord Agni. These grains represent our vasanas, our desires. I am giving you, I am sacrificing my vasanas. I'm blessed by the Lord that I can reach my goal. 
This is what we're doing. This is what it represents. The grains represents our vasanas, the ghee. When all the grain is finished and the flames die out, the priest gives everyone some ash from the kundas, prasadam. They take the ash and make three stripes on their forehead. The three different tamasic, rajasic, sattvic. Those are the three lines on the top. I have bypassed that. And then you go to a temple, you pray, I'm one with God. This is what he represents. Ceremony finishes when you visit the prayer room. You bow down to God, me and you are one. I understand we are one. So it's the whole process of karma yoga, basically. It's what yajna sacrifice represents. Can I add, uh, as uh, Joshnabe mentioned, uh, water, hmm. uh, a thought just came in my mind, and I feel I need to share what I yep. had thought. Uh, water, as uh, Aniket Patel said, is more crosser. It takes, even if it evaporates, it takes a very, very long time and you can't see the evaporation process, secondly. Mm. And it, it will take so long to evaporate for it to disappear anyway. And fire, you ignite it, it's, you know, it turns to ashes very quickly. Turns to ashes very quickly. So fire is chosen because of the order of subtlety, that's all. Thank you, Shwetan. So when you, talked about, when you talked about the level of subtlety, right? So if we're thinking about the most grossest, right, which is your earth, mm -hmm. yeah, we can say that we can see earth, we can smell earth. So is it the, the number of senses that can contact each of the subtleties? So for example, space, we can't really, of all of our senses, we can't contact it. And that's why it's the most subtlest. Then you said it's fire, right? So air, yeah. air beg your pardon, because we can't see air. So it's the, it's the level of senses that contact each element that, that gives its level of gross or subtlety. Absolutely. Right. So the more your five senses can contact, the grosser it is. Yeah? Thank you. So the fire is chosen for that reason. So does any have any questions regard this, regarding this fire worship and what it represents? Put in the grain and the ghee, you're giving your bas you're sacrificing your vasanas. Three stripes, you've overcome, you've, you've risen from tamasic, rajasic to sattvic. And then when you bow down to God, you are, you've reached that state of self-realization. You understand you and God are one. So this ritual represents karma yoga. And I'll tell you why it represents karma yoga. A person who is into knowledge will not be doing all these rituals. A person who is a jnani yoga, a person who wants knowledge, they will not do this. Why am I going through all this? I understand, I read it. I don't need to do all these actions. So this is made for karma yogi. When you do this, we direct all our actions to a higher ideal. We begin to eliminate, reduce our vasanas, and we don't create more vasanas. Also, our actions will be blessed with material success and inner peace.
normal way of acting is selfish benefit. What will I get? How does it benefit me? Which creates further vasanas. When you give your vasanas, sacrifice them, you don't create more vasanas. This is the, this is the understanding of it. I know it sounds complicated, but it will, you will understand it as we go along. Yeah. This process has been given to us for karma yoga, for karma yogis, man of action. You perform this and you'll get to that stage. Hema, could you read the rest, please? The entire yagna symbolizes how human activities can be converted into worship in their respective fields. A person must eradicate his vasanas or desires to unveil his self. He can do so by surrendering to a higher purpose in life, working without selfish motives, selfish and egocentric centric activities only produce more vasanas, desires and agitations. To render vasanas more spiritual and less worldly, one has to direct one's activities from those motivated by personal benefit to a higher cause, a common purpose, a nobler ideal, then the actions will be blessed with both material success and inner peace. The kunda represents any field of activity. The offering of grain to the kunda symbolizes the offering of each individual's abilities to his own field of activity for a common cause. Everyone works in a spirit of surrender to that cause without entertaining selfish motives. This attitude renders the action spiritual. The result is the exhaustion of vastness and desires. Burning of fuel is the communal kunda symbolizes this. The three stripes of ash smeared on the forehead signify the transcendence of sattvika, rajisika and tamasika vasanas. Entering the temple after the ritual represents the attainment of God consciousness, realization of the supreme self. Man therefore attains his supreme state through yagna. Yagna activities exhaust his existing vasanas and unfold his divinity. Conversely, non-yagna activities of self-centered people create more vasanas and bind them to the world. Krishna advises Arjuna to treat the battle as a yagna and fight for the welfare of the people. Thank you. So we all have to eradicate our vasanas. As we said, zero, become, zero vasanas equals self-realization. We unveil the self as we reduce our vasanas. So performing actions through sacrifice, yagnya, allows us to exhaust our vasanas, basically. You don't have to go and do a fire worship, by the way, yeah? We're just explaining what, why we do it. Non-yagnya, sacrificial actions, creates more vasanas, attaches us greater to the world. Yagnya, uh, sacrificial activities, is unselfish action. Self. So non-yagna activity is selfish actions and yagna sacrificial actions are unselfish. So Krishna advises Arjuna, treat the battle as a yagna. Perform your actions to fight for a higher to reach the goal of self-realization. So in a nutshell, from this verse, what you must take is Yagna sacrifice means converting my actions to worship. That's it. That's all you have to take. You don't need to go and start performing fire rituals and yagnias and uh, ovens. You don't need to do all that. Just understand when I act, my actions are dedicated to a higher ideal. That's it. Any questions? Yeah, Arunaman?
So my question would be, is there a role for, um, I know you've explained in detail that what, what it signifies, but is there a role for this, uh, uh, having these rituals or ha um, having a havan? Because in, I'm thinking in that three hours that you do um, perform this, you're spending more time on uh, uh, setting a goal to say we're going to remember God in this time and uh, setting that kind of a higher goal. Whereas to remember in your daily activities, each and every daily activity that you are doing this in a sacrificial way, sometimes I think that's more slippery and it evades us. So is there a role for it? See, if you, see, first of all, most people didn't know what, why, they do, why they do heaven. So the purpose of doing it is just a ritualistic exercise without understanding the, the full process behind it. But if you were doing it, like for me, it was always about you invoking the blessings of God there as the priest is chanting mantras. The whole idea is that you're inviting God to your home and you're getting blessings from them. And of course, once it's finished, you don't forget about it. You try and remember that. Yeah. So it depends on your situation, what your goal is. You want to bless the house and that's what you want to do, then you do it. But if you want to reach that higher state yes then you don't need to do it this is the point we're trying to say yeah it depends on the purpose of you doing it you get a marriage they do the heaven and they go around seven times yes you're sacrificing yourself to your partner i will look after you i will be there no matter what we're giving that each of us are pledging and sacrificing ourselves to the other partner in front of God, Lord Agni, you're doing it in front of that, in front of the Lord. It's a blessing, and that's fine. But here we're talking about karma yoga, which means through the path of action, you reach the goal of self-realization. This is what we're talking about. So what you're talking about, Arunabhan, is nothing wrong with doing that, but they're limited goals. Bless my house. Bless this marriage. Yeah. Let me let me uh, have positive vibes. Yeah. Those are limited goals, and that's perfectly fine. But the, what we're talking about is the higher. Is that okay? Remember? So we're saying this is um, uh, um, more higher to do than to do the spirit the fire. The ritual. purpose. The goal mm. and the purpose is different mm. than what you're talking about, what you're talking about. This is a difference. The objective is different. Mm. I suppose it also depends. The doing the bless, uh, to do bless the house, bless the marriage are different goals. There's a different reason for you doing it. Yes. Fire represents Brahman. So you're doing it in front of the Lord. If I don't I sacrifice suppose. myself to my partner, okay, I'm, 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 I'm uh, Lord Agni Brahman, you're witness to this marriage. I promise I will look after my wife. I promise I'll look after my husband. If you do, if, and therefore I'm pledging this in front of Brahman. That's what you're saying. So bless us that I, reach, I achieve that goal. I think you can look at it also as like, one of, in one way, it's uh, material. So you're looking at things that are related to this world. Absolutely. And our concept is where we are looking at things that is beyond this world, right? So absolutely, absolutely. I think like a yagna for your wedding or to bless your house, and that it's for stuff that's in this world, right? It's not beyond the world. Yeah. What we're talking about here is beyond the world. Mm -hmm. How to get beyond this world by performing yagna sacrifice through the path of action. How do I act so that I'm performing yajna sacrifice so that I can reach that higher by reducing my vasanas? That's the difference. Sorry, and I on. guess well, it depends on your personality. You're going to get drawn to one thing a little bit more than the other. Like I said, depends on your goal. We're here studying Bhagavad Gita, which teaches us how to live life and reach our goal in life, which is self-realization. So if we're doing this and reading this and studying this to reach that goal, 
And this is what we need to do if you're a karma yogi, if you're a man of action, like Karjuna was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, Ben. I think when we do yagna, it's we are connecting. It's a, it's a reminder because you're physically doing uh, something. So when we do these things, it's also to connect. Mm -hmm. That's why you know it's it's something physical. Whereas when if you yeah. do our like this uh, Bhagavad Gita class, spiritual connection, we can't. Nobody can see it till only yourself within yourself. You will feel it. Yeah. That if you're going to the higher, and then yeah. secondly also when we do RP and all that, we use kapoor. It's always that we are burning our desires just like fire. It disappears completely. Mm. So that is That's why right. we yeah. do the kapoor action as well. That yeah, we, what. You, uh, your understanding should be, I'm doing this Kapoor thing to burn this desire or whatever I'm feeling and never to mm. do it again. Mm. So to that context, that's why we do the Kapoor, even in our mandir and yeah. things like that. Thank you. I just thought that there may be in a balance that maybe both of those things, action, are making one feel, leading you to spiritually feel enlightened. And definitely sometimes doing a hava and all of that, it, it, it lingers with you on days and days. And it makes you feel insights, more spiritual, wanting to perform those actions. So I, I, I felt like there is a role in that. So, but I can also understand what you're saying, that one is a little bit higher. So, Arunabin, uh, well, the whole class, it depends on your personality. Yeah. It depends on your spiritual development, where you are, what's your personality. Yeah, as I said, for karma yogi, a man of action, he can't sit and think, read a verse and think, oh, wow, Brahman, I feel that connection. He cannot read one verse and get to that. He needs to do something. So he calls a priest, they do a yajna, they do a havan, they do all these things. Then he feels it. Ah, oh, I'm in connection with Brahman, I'm connection with God. And if he doesn't, he just does it ritualistically, okay? One day he might say, why am I doing this havan? Can someone explain to me, please? Yeah. And when he asks that, or she asks that question after they've done having a hundred times, they'll say, oh, you want to know why we're doing it? Bhagavad Gita chapter three, verse nine. That'll tell you why you're doing it. Okay. They'll go and open the book. Oh, this is why I'm doing heaven. But until he gets to that, that person gets to that state, they'll continue doing it. Yes. Because they feel I'm connecting with God. Or I'm doing it because I want these material benefits, whatever, depending on his level of understanding. But a person who, as I said, is a jnani yoga, a person of knowledge, will not be doing all those things. He'll just read this verse and say, yes, I understand. I connect. So it depends on your development, spiritual growth, and your personality. Does that make sense, Arunabin? Yeah, I thought I just had that beautiful vision of how you've been connected to God, like an, a plug, and one, you know, whichever means you use, whether it's through the heaven or whether it's through yeah. that. It's that inspiration. Yeah. You know, I haven't been blessed by Lord. Okay, let me do a heaven. I need some blessings. See, it depends on your perspective. The per another person say, I'm so blessed. I've got food on my table. I've got air to breathe. I've got water to drink. I'm so blessed. There's a big difference between the perspective of the person depending on their development of their understanding. This is the connection. Sitil has to say. No, I think initially we talked about vasanas, right? So if, for example, we're going back to what Onobon's question was, if you've got vasana for devotion, so if you're a karma yogi, bhakti yogi, or a gnani, Okay, the yagna side of it can be for either one of them, yeah. right? So the person of action is performing that action. The bhakti yogi thinks about Brahman whilst they're performing that action, okay? And the gnanis are having the knowledge of how, why they're doing what they're doing yeah. and, um, you know, thinking of Brahman. So the idea is, is that it would fit for a, a, 
a Bhakti Gnani or a Karma Yogi, but also, you know, the end bit, like you said, right? So it says, Okuntiya, perform action, right? For the sake, from um, free from attachment. So whatever yagna you're doing, so if we're thinking of our action, if we're doing it as a higher ideal, rather than performing it with attachment for an outcome, yeah. that in itself is a yagna. This is what your last, yeah, um, I would say, paragraph states. As I said, depends from your perspective where you're coming from and your state of understanding and development. How you would, when you're performing that yagna, where is your, where is, where are your thoughts basically? Some people say, as soon as they, why, how quickly will they finish this yagna? Because all this smoke is getting in my nose. You know, some people have that perspective. That's their understanding. How long is it going to be before lunch? When is the yagna going to finish? That's the level of understanding they have. They're there because it'll be wrong, but that it would be, um, it'll upset someone if they don't come. That's the basic understanding of a person going there. Then there's the other people who have a higher understanding. Then up to the Gyani, as Sittal said, who understands what the Yagnya is, can relate to it. So it's a different meaning to different people based on their level. Yeah, any questions? We'll cover it, we'll go, the next three verses, uh, uh, we'll talk about that more. But this is just to get a basic understanding. And as we're dealing with Karma Yoga, these up to chapter six, Yagnya will be a, a common word, yeah, um, until, until then. So we need to understand what it means. Yagnya is a sacrifice, that's it. Okay, any questions? Good. Hopefully you've learned something today. Yeah. Ravi, Yagnya sacrifice, no positive. He will give you positive vibes, by the way. Yeah, now you know why it gives you positive vibes. Oh, no, definitely. With the higher, yeah. elevates you. I like a fire in the garden tonight. <laughs> as long as you understand what it means, yeah? Okay. Uh, next week is uh, Father's Day. Um, I'm happy to do it if everyone's up, up okay with it. And I'm telling you from a father's perspective. So most of you are mothers, so you shouldn't have a problem. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Is that all right? We'll have class next week. Yeah. Good. Excellent. All right. Well, have a lovely Sunday and then we'll uh, connect next Sunday. <laughs>